0: From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fires from freedom with another episode of the CloverTac Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up crew? Welcome to another CloverTac Podcast powered by Moss from Tactical. We'll talk about uh, them. Briefly here in just a second, got Derek with Kids Safe Foundation uh, waiting patiently in the wings. We'll bring him in shortly and uh, hopefully have what uh, uh, will turn out to be a great conversation. If you're not familiar with, of course, Kids Safe uh, Foundation, you're going to get to learn all about that today, I'm sure it will. Uh, get some uh, insight on some of the new stuff that's uh, going on that he's been doing lately too i'm sure Uh, if you're following in live out there welcome if you're in the replay world welcome remember uh, if you are jumping in live that you can comment drop those questions we're not going to interrupt or uh, break the train of thought that sort of thing four questions but uh, we'll get to them i promise if you drop them out there in the uh, chat if you're in replay can always drop those down in a comment below, something like that. Uh, as always, we are a proud member of the Farms Radio Network, so be sure you jump over there. Uh, we're on FRNFarmsRadio.net, I believe is what it is, and uh, check out some of the cool podcasts and other things there. And big shout out and thanks to the Patreon patrons and the YouTube channel members. Uh, and uh, as always, there's links below if you want to, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch. Uh, with that side of things dropped uh, a little bit of behind the scenes something cool over the next couple of months it's going to be going on the uh, patreon patrons and the youtube channel members got a uh, sneak peek with that recently so if you are a member of either of those two platforms uh, check the feed uh, there's some there's some goodies there that you uh, yeah that you might enjoy uh, yeah monster tactical i'll talk about them for a second uh, and of course they have all types of optics, with the exception of like handgun style red dots, carry style red dots, of course. Uh, hopefully, one day they get into those. But uh, look at it, all types of scopes, uh, particularly LPVOs, which are popular—the one to four, one to six, one to eight, one to ten power—and uh, then red dots for your your long boys, your long guns that are out there too. Uh, and mounts. Good lord, at the mounts and scope rings and other things, and they have some really unique stuff over there uh, with Monster Tactical that I've talked about a little bit, but probably don't talk about nearly enough. Uh, one of those is a scope leveling kit that is really, really easy. Uh, you guys out there are probably familiar with the kits that you clamp onto a barrel that have the level, and they've got the extra level, and a fourth level, and a fifth level, and you line up all the levels, right? Uh, this is just some geometric shapes that interlock into each other. Uh, it's hard to explain, but uh, pretty quick, pretty easy way to uh, to level that optic uh, on your firearm uh, and then uh, adjustable scope rings whoever thought that there would be such a thing as adjustable scope rings so yeah you buy a set of rings you buy a larger scope a smaller scope something of that nature and you got to change those rings out well not with uh the boss tactical adjustable stuff uh, goodness you just pull the old scope out you adjust those rings how you need them Uh, Lock everything back down, put your new scope on, and you're ready to go. So uh, make sure you go check them out. Tell them thanks if you see them around the uh, social interwebs and that sort of stuff uh, for helping out the uh, podcast here. And uh, yeah, with that, let's get uh, Mr. Derek in the house, man. What's happening, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. Always a pleasure. Uh, I'm not sure how many times this is now for you, but it's a few. I think we're into several Mm -hmm. at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like maybe five up to five now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, always a pleasure. You're one of those that we had a conversation the other day. I'm going to give Derek the big head before you ever start here today, but we had a conversation the other day about, uh, 2A activists, uh, 2A advocates it was along that vein. And, you know, a lot of, of a lot of big names were what I consider big names in that arena were dropped. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, here's the thing, though. I said, you've got those folks that are doing good things that have massive name recognition. Then you have s- some folks and your name was dropped along with Tony Simon, by the way. Uh, you, too. And it was like, how many what if those guys talk about you and Tony? Had the name recognition, the household, the social media, the viral, whatever you want to call it, right? Name recognition of, of some of the the big two A folks that we hear about. And it's like with everything that you guys are accomplishing, boots on the ground, and all the work that you're putting in uh, on quite often the shoestring budget uh, that Absolutely. you're that you're saddled with. It's like, good lord, what if you had those those resources, right? Uh, we can dream, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well
1: and we can we can dream where we can continue to do the work and that's what you know all that's of us are true. doing you know and and so you know the show goes on and the the op- opportunities keep opening up and and so it's and it's people like you that give us the the name drops that really help kind of push the message forward you know so we're we're thankful for all the support that we get
0: yeah and uh you know we, we've had this conversation a lot but that you know that's where i see my role right? Uh, do I do some? Because I distinguish I distinguish between the the advocate and the activist. I see you mm-hmm. more as an, an activist. I see myself more as an advocate. Now within the confined confines of the state of Texas, uh, I, I see myself more in the activist role in that in that mm-hmm. sense. I do communicate with legislatures and, you know, if there's any mm-hmm. state level things that need to be dealt with, you know I'm far mm-hmm. more active than I am on a on a national level. And part of that is I can't keep up with different states. And it, like, you know, you have your lane. Do We talk about Tony, you know, what do you bring up KD or, you know, the mm-hmm. 50 women of the DC project, which recently I heard they changed their name, but uh, mm-hmm. they all have their own little lane in their own areas in their own states. And they, they are, it's more intimate, right? You guys know what, what's going on. So it's, it's easier for me to play a supporting role and yep. to making people aware that you exist and that if they live in that area, Hey, maybe they should go follow you or look you up, or maybe they should help you guys out directly. Uh, it just, you know, rather than me trying to, to do it all, catch it all, you know, it just mm-hmm. would make any, it wouldn't make any sense. I can't know everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let's, uh, for those that, that are following out there, maybe following out there that are not familiar with kids, Safe foundation. I think it's important that in, those that are listening to replay quite honestly, um, Yeah, let's give you a couple of minutes. Let me let you give your elevator speech. You've done it a thousand times. There may be some new stuff uh, that's been added to it, of course, over the years. But give your elevator speech of of who you guys are, what you guys do, and uh, yeah, take it away.
1: Uh, So the Kids Safe Foundation, we're a a 501c3 nonprofit and we're based in Oregon. And so we teach firearm safety and access prevention to kids. And since our founding back in 2016, we've reached over 28,000 kids now in five states and taught them, you know, life-saving skills on what to do if they ever come across an unsecure firearm. Uh, Part of what we're doing also is we're getting involved on the range. So we have a range training program. In the last year or so, we added an uh, adaptive program to what we do so we're able to outreach to kids that are actually blind or have vision impairment and so we can get them involved in the shooting sports. so the the goal of our organization is to give every kid the same opportunity so it's our goal to uh, and we have to facilitate that so you know somebody comes to us with a challenge and we say challenge accepted and we make it happen and it's all about you know benefiting those those young young kids
0: that's cool to hear uh with the the movement to the disabled i guess or whatever side of it because that's one of the beautiful things not only about shooting sports but about the second amendment mm-hmm. uh shooting sports is one of those things unlike football like baseball unlike soccer unlike basketball right uh, you could have some type of impairment some type of disability mm-hmm. and still mm-hmm. be successful in shooting sports it's entirely yeah. po- it's entirely possible um and then the second thing is just because you're disabled that doesn't mean you're right to keep and bear arms ends. So there's that side of it as well that I think is, is very important. I, I know, uh, blessed to know quite a few people out there that are visually impaired. I don't want to mm-hmm. say blind because most people think, you know, completely dark blind. So I don't want to go that down that no. road. Uh, I can't see through their eyes, so I don't honestly know how. But I know that they're severely, right, visually impaired that carry every day. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I, I I don't look at it as a disability. I always call it a, an ability, right? It's like I always want to, you know, put a positive spin on things, and and I think that's what's beautiful about what we're trying to do is 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 we're trying to showcase the fact that you know kids can do this no matter their comfort level, their age, their experience, you know, if taught properly, you know, the likelihood of them getting hurt or somebody else getting hurt is going to be limited because of you know, the way they're being taught this, these really important foundational skills when it comes to safety, you know, I have another kid that's joined us that was, you know, hyper, hyperactive. Right. And so, you know, I called him Mr. Wiggles cause we're on the range and he'd be on the line <laughs> and he'd be dancing around. And, but as soon as I started going through my cadence, You know, that's where he was like a Labrador and he was like on the point where, Mm -hmm. you know, he was obviously that's where that discipline is. His mind finally slowed down. He tuned into what we were doing and he went through the process and it was absolutely incredible to watch that, you know, what didn't take medication. It didn't take anything to, to change his focus. It just took, you know, good, simple range commands and it was pretty, pretty powerful.
0: Well, it takes something with some, it, it takes an activity how do I word this? Cause I want to say like brevity, but it, that's not the right word. It takes an act, act, an activity that has some seriousness to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. shooting sports is obviously one of those. We teach the <laughs> rules of safety for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, can it be fun and fulfilling and rewarding and all of this stuff? Yes, absolutely. Is it something that requires responsibility and requires safety and paying attention? Yes, absolutely. And so I think that when you get those that have, uh, less than optimal, let's just say, attention spans, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, those rambunctious kiddos, um, mm-hmm. they come in and they understand that, oh, this is maybe a little bit scary, maybe a little bit dangerous. But if we buckle down and we focus on this task, right, the task at hand. And I think that's that's what, I think what you're getting at, is that you guys give them something to solidly focus on. And then when they do that, like everything else is gravy
1: yeah it's that it's that focus and you know once once they focus then we come in we we you know we praise them and and celebrate their accomplishments and 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 that's what leaves this lasting impact that's going to help us going into the future when it comes to our two-way rights is is we need people that can pick up the torch and and so it's our goal obviously is we're we're coming out from a a pro this is a pro safety message not a pro gun message this is Mm -hmm. you know our programs for every kid obviously we're 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 designing it for you know parents that do have have guns in the home and and do want to see their kids safe but also the ones that are picking up the torch and and getting involved in the shooting sports we're also showcasing you know the important responsibilities that comes with you know gun ownership and and being able to protect our two way rights. so there's there's a lot that goes into it
0: but you guys are doing uh doing the the classes the courses the whatever you want to call it you do have a lot of cabelas yeah is that right um go ahead yeah. So, yeah,
1: Cabela is basically anywhere I, we can reach kids. And, you know, when I got home from GRPC the other day, uh, the, the next day I had a class at a, at a homeschool group. And so there was 30 plus homeschoolers. And so that was a great opportunity. So it's basically wherever we can reach kids. And and so, you know, we, you know, we go wherever the kids are.
0: Okay. So, so not, not just in a Cabela's, you yeah. guys will go to wherever you need to be. Basically, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, does the the course curriculum, does the class change from one setting to the next? How does that work? Do you have you a know, different group of kiddos or whatever? Do you have to mix it up or do you kind of stay the course with the curriculum?
1: Well, we stay the course, but, you know, what's beautiful about what we're doing is the kids kind of take it in a right. conversation, you know, with the conversation. And, and so some of the kids, you know, the other day we had a guy that was talking about, you know, I was explaining, you know, video games and I did a post about it and how, you know, what happens in our video game stays in our video game. We're talking about alternate reality. Well, this, you know, one kid, you know, raised his hand and, and told the whole class about a story about how his dad, when he was younger, he, he fell off a roof, which I used that same analogy when I was explaining video games. So it's amazing how. You know, the information that comes out, how it goes to the kids and how their young minds, how they work and how they can kind of add their own little spin on things. And sometimes they, you know, they take us in directions that we don't need to go. But sometimes it's just it's it's awesome to hear young young boys, probably six or seven years old, get up in front of, you know, 30 plus other kids and 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 tell about a story about his dad. And so you know, we want to encourage that type of stuff. You know, we want to encourage future leaders and, and empower our kids to, to, to know that it's okay to tell these stories in a, in a safe and comfortable environment. And, and that's how we're all going to learn and we're going to get better at what we're doing. And so, you know, from that, it all depends on the age group. You know, some, some kids are a little bit younger. And so the topic is, you know, strictly about, you know, what to do if they come across an insecure firearm, which is similar to Eddie Eagle, and you know, stop, don't touch, run away, tell a grown-up. But we expand upon that, and and so we talk about other more you know relevant topics that are relevant to today, what the f- dangers that they face, and so um, you know, and we're dealing doing stuff with teens now, and, and teaching teens about empowerment and you know, situational awareness. We have a teen suicide part of that, you know, and and so. You know that's you know something that's really really important as we go forward is is you know we're a small nimble organization so we can change with the threats that are presented to our our children right and and so we're going to be at the forefront always because we're able to we don't have this huge board we don't have all these steering committees we are boots on the ground you know this is what the new newest information presented to us as a potential threat and this is how we can tailor that message uh, to they make sure we protect the kids.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, at what, uh, what age ranges typically are we talking earliest to the oldest that you see go through the program, or do you have requirements for that even?
1: I don't really. I mean, we, we had three, four year olds come through. I mean, four years old is a great age because that's when they're most inquisitive. Oh yeah. And, and, and so, you know, we're, you know, cause this is a family type event, you know, so there's stuff that the kids might ah. not understa- understand, but there's stuff that we really want the parents to understand. So it's, it's really the, the, the families are learning together and that's what makes what we're doing, you know, really unique because it's not really all focused towards the kids. It's mm-hmm. really focused towards the families.
0: Right. Yeah. And if you've got, you know, let's say you have a family that has a seven or eight year old, they may also have a three or four year old or Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. have you. Right. And so, yeah, it's one of the things where I think that does make it more welcoming for that family environment. They don't have to worry about finding a babysitter. Right. For the for the little one, bring them on, too. Absolutely. Um, And and honestly, I think even when you get into, you know, even when you get up to the age of, of walking, I think you're right. Up till about four is is there's a lot of curiosity it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of afterwards too let's be honest but uh you know up to three and four years old uh it really gets this crazy about the time they become really mobile right so that walking mm-hmm. from about that walking talking age mm-hmm. uh it's really starts to get starts to get interesting in, in development and mm-hmm. you know one of the things i know that I, I did with my kiddos and and uh and i recommended to others is to have them around it at least have them around at that age they may not be old enough that they can understand uh as much they may not be old enough that they like say let's say your course where they absorb things that they need to absorb or maybe even in the way that they need to absorb them but they're exposed to it they're around it at least right and then a little later on when it does get to that point that they they can be taught and, and actually retain that information a little more it's not a foreign concept. They've seen no. those items before, right? They've seen mm-hmm. you go through those emotions before it's nothing new. It's just now they can actually understand what was happening. So, mm-hmm. um, and then of course, if you do that, one of the greatest things I tell people is, you know, take them out to the range. Obviously, they probably need gloves if they're going to do it. Uh, but picking up brass, <laughs> little kids are great. It's like, hey, pick up this brass. And they love, you know, they love that. Or or helping you put up targets or change targets or something yeah. like that. You know, the little ones, they're a little too young to pull triggers, right? Uh, heck, some of them can't even pull the trigger on a, on a little Nerf gun or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's too much for them. But they can pick up things. They can carry things, little things, and move things around. They can be a part of the experience, right? And mm-hmm. especially if you're talking to family uh, setting like you are, uh, mm-hmm. why not? Why not have them involved as, as early as possible?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, that way, you know, wh- what we're trying to do is just normalize this conversation. You know, yeah. uh, one thing, you know, is really important to know is guns are here. They're not going anywhere. And no matter what they say, they're here. So let's, let's learn how to coexist. Right. There's a hundred and. 110 million responsible gunners in this country. There's over 450 million guns in this country, and and so they're not going anywhere. And so you know that's why education is really really important. And what we're seeing in society is it's the people that are imposing either you know illegal laws or that are trying to make policy. They're the ones that really need the education more than other parts of society you know and so you know we just have to step back we have to stand there's problems that our country faces but the only way we're going to be able to fix it is if we all come together at the table to have these conversations you know and and some are going to be better at at that than others you know so all we want is is to normalize you know responsible gun ownership and that's what we're trying to do
0: yeah right um let's go up on this i want to go off on a tangent a little bit because you brought up that number of 450 guns in the country yeah. you did say to your credit, you said at least oh uh, I think that's the biggest BS number that anybody could ever even attempt to try to come up with. I the and, and I'm saying that in a good way. I'm saying that it's it's gotta be three times that. It's gotta be or, or more. Yeah. And, and just I... the reason I say is if you if you ever get into the industry side of things, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you see some of these companies that year in and year out over the lifespan of a certain model firearm make a million, two million, three million of one model, and then you yeah. go to like a shot show and you see how many different models there are yeah. over the course of years and decades, and you're like, There's no way. There is way more than any four hundred and fifty thousand, or some people say three hundred thousand. Oh, there's a gun for every household. We've heard that before. And it's like, no, I way. I I right
1: I said millions. I, I feel like, and I so I, I, I that's the caveat that they know of, right? So yeah. 450 million that they know of, because obviously right. in America it's legal for us to home build our own guns,
0: and or, or prior to and, 68, they didn't have to have a serial number,
1: absolutely. Like, you know, so that 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 number I believe came from the NSSF, and yeah. that was during COVID. So that's an old skewed number, right? There's been millions of guns that have been made since then. I kind of use that just to kind of wrap people's head around the fact that. There is a tremendous amount of guns in this country. Oh, yeah, and and we'll, yeah. we'll say, we'll say today over 99.9% of those guns did not commit a gun crime, you know? So, and we're looking well, at the numbers. Like,
0: none of those, zero of those guns, of yeah. well, those guns committed a crime. Let's get yeah, that straight out sure. off the bat, right? Like, none yeah. of the guns committed a crime. People that were using them may have committed mm-hmm. a crime. Yeah, exactly. So.
1: And we all have vernacular, right? So we all have the different little <laughs> spins on things, but that's just yeah. kind of the way I want to wrap my head around, you know, because I'm when I'm talking to people, and we you know in the industry we call them normies, right? Normies where the people that are just you know the soccer moms, the the soccer dads that really don't know what it's like to have firearms in the home or you know, definitely don't carry a gun for personal protection. So, you know, we gotta we have to at least give them something where they can kind of wrap their mind around. You know what this equation looks like as opposed to you know the sky's falling and everything's scary and we got to just do this and ban that and restrict this you know because at the end of the day they've been doing this for 30 years you know when it comes to the assault weapons ban of of 1994 and can we say that they've moved the needle in, in a way that it should have gone i i would say no you know so you know that's that's the thing is 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 they're here we're living amongst them every day. Some of them have them, have them in our home. So let's let's change up our tactics and do something new and let's actually educate the children
0: about them. Right. So well, it's not that we just don't it's not that we have them in our home, but I think that you know what a lot of parents uh Maybe some consider it, maybe some don't. Uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to have maybe a deeper conversation with some, you know, anti-2A, anti-gun, gun parents. You just got to get an idea. But, you know, at what point, if you've got an unhealthy fear of firearms, let's just say, at what point does that completely up your life? Because now you're afraid of your kids going to their grandparents' house or their aunt or uncle's house to a friend for a sleepover to a, yeah, you know, because now you've got to ask, oh, do you have guns in the house? How do you secure? Them? How do you? It's like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Like um, that can just snowball into, I guess, into a life in existence. I'm blessed because fires have always just been a normal thing for me. It's like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a thing. It's there. You can put meat on the table or in the freezer with it. You can defend yourself. You can go out and shoot cans or balloons or clays or paper and have fun. Like mm-hmm. it's a thing. Right. It's, it's just it's all it is. There's no fear. There's never been any fear. Um, and so it's just it's just foreign to me how that that some people, some families or whatever may think that way. And it it boggles my mind to think that they ha- they live in existence that way. Does that make sense? Like, like how could you live like that? No. And
1: and I can see, I can see like the downstream impact of that is where the parents are so afraid that now they're actually pushing that on the children, which is affecting, you know, their mental state, you know? And, and so now these kids are being taught fear. And, and and so I think that's really, really dangerous going forward because that's going to affect, you know, their views on the world. It's also going, I mean, they're living in this, this, this sense of reality that really it's, it's not the truth. And, you know, you and I right. know the truth because, you know, we have a gun in our home and we were trained with it and we were responsible with it, you know, and, and so you know a lot of it comes down to the media, social media, the way everybody's been being manipulated. And so, you know, that's another another challenge that we face here is is the people that are are fearful are the ones that control our microphones and they are ability to outreach to the public and, and make sure that the, the public knows that we're here for them and we want to keep them all safe. And, and so it's a, it's definitely a big challenge for, for us going forward in this country.
0: Right. Now to jump back to the, uh, jump back to the classes, the courses for a second, uh, for those out there that may be, may be curious, maybe thinking about, Hey, let's, you know, we should really get a, a group together, maybe and try to do something like this. Uh what can they expect as far as the curriculum? They arrive, kind of what is the normal flow of a of a day with that?
1: Well, so, so typically when parents arrive with the, their families, you know, we're greeting the families, you know, we're meeting the parents, we're shaking hands. We're also shaking hands of the kids because, you know… Throughout this whole program, there's, there's a learning lessons for everybody. Right. And so typically we're gauging, we're testing the kids when we meet them for the first time and we're shaking their hand. It's, is that a good handshake? Are they making eye eye contact? Are they shy? You know, so there's, there's things. And then we bring it back at the end of the class where, you know, we explain, you know, why we did what we did in the beginning so we can teach those kids and the kids can come through and they get their certificate at the end of the class. And now we're instructing them you know, why to give a good handshake or why to make eye contact, because mm-hmm. obviously we want them to always project strength. We want them to show self-confidence. And, and so that's how, you know, we teach the kids on how we want them to interact with adults when they're meeting them for the first time. And that's, that's a way to protect them, you know, when it comes to trafficking and there's right. all sorts of bad, bad things that are out there um, that are just lurking and waiting. And, and so from that, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, gun safety where I, you know, I'm handling real guns inside the class. And so in, in that part, I'm, I'm actually giving the families real life information when it comes to our firearms. Like we're talking about, you know, semi-automatic handguns and how to load and unload that gun. And we also show the, the families how, if I, if I load that gun improperly and it improperly. You know, like I don't take out my magazine first before I rack that slide. You know, they're still going to be around in that chamber, and there's how that's how a lot of people are are hurt there. Mm-hmm. And so we 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 kind of quiz the families on that, and we talk about secure storage. Secure storage is a really really important thing, and and I I'm, we're trying to encourage that parents use good products when it comes to keeping their kids safe. You know, some of the products that we like is one of our sponsors, Voltec. We love their boxes because of the way we're able to get into that gun in a second and it, it can be staged but it also keeps the gun out of the, out of the reach of the young kids and and then then we're also talking about you know video games video game violence and things to think about there and and things that are making kids more aggressive at a young age is which is violent media and we talk about that and then then from there we we talk about you know anti bullying and uh, which is really really important nice. and and so you know from that then we just kind of follow it up with the the certificates at the end of the class and we we celebrate those kids that came and and raised their hands and were part of the class and 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 so it's a it's a really really wholesome you know fun experience for all of us that are there
0: now where's where does the trigger time fall into that so the
1: trigger is a tip, a separate class. So, okay. you know, this was our, our, our kids okay. firearm safety one class, which I just described. And oh. then we do a two class and we have a teen class as well, which is on the, on the range. And this is with rimfire fire rifles. And okay. so for the, the regular kids firearm safety two, we're using the Ruger American bolt action rifles. And so typically we get to shoot about a hundred rounds, close to a hundred rounds per class, a two hour class. Wow. And so they get good repetitions. And so they're loading their magazines that it's, their job to have control of this rifle for for two hours and so basically we assign them the rifle this is their rifle and Mm -hmm. so they have it's their responsibility to know the condition of the rifle know when that gun is loaded but we we obviously we treat it like it's loaded at all times we're going to keep it pointing a safe direction our fingers are going to be off the trigger you know so we we the the four basic rules are always you know heavily focused on in in these classes and then they're loading their own magazines You know, they're seating the magazine into the gun. They're, you know, pulling out their chamber flags. And, and and so it's a great way for them to learn in a, under, you know, our white watchful eye. And and that way, you know, we can kind of reinforce the skills that we learn in the first class.
0: Right. Is, uh, is the first class a prereq to the second class?
1: Not always. Um, okay. sometimes, I mean, sometimes it is, I mean, depending on the age of the child, you know, obviously we have an eight or nine year old, I'm not going to say, nah, you have to go through that, you know, cause there's stuff that we follow up on, on the range where we're, we're right. growing them about the four basic rules, you know? So, mm. you know, the, the one that I really want to be specific about from the one to the two is the four basic rules and making sure they right. understand those. And so we go over those many, many times in those classes to make sure that, um, that's something that if they leave, they're going to, they're going to know that that's this is going to help keeping them safe, you know, going forward. So
0: now I like the way that, you know, when you first started talking about, you know, greeting them when they arrived, um, you know, with kiddos, I think that the more that you treat them like incompetent babies, the more they're going to act like incompetent babies. <laughs> um, and that's not to say I, I've noticed I got an aunt and uncle that's that's this way. Like my cousins that, they never spoke baby talk to them ever and uh, you can take it too far i'm not saying that you can't yeah. um but sometimes you know just a handshake talk to them like you would any other normal adult human absolutely you know treat them like they're you know not like they're an, inco- Again, an incompetent baby and i think that a lot of times <laughs> i that love go, that term <laughs> that can go a long way right like yeah. they, like that little kid is thinking they're the odds are they're getting treated like they've probably never been treated before because if they're out in the grocery store or the mall or whatever, most people see them as just a little bratty kid, right? And so they get treated Mm -hmm. like a little bratty kid. Mm -hmm. And so if you treat them like, you know, any normal other person in in passing, you know, be civil, be cordial, you know, that adult-ish style tone, then I think that by you treating them like they're, more competent and grown up than they are. Maybe that leads to them acting like they're more competent and grown up than they are. Um, I don't know. Just to, just a take that well, I've got.
1: No, I think that's a really important point. I think as our kids get older, you know, there's going to be a point where they want their independence. Right. So they're always right. like, look, mom, I can do this by myself. I don't need your help, dad. I can do this. And so the goal for what we're trying to do is we're trying to build them up. Right? If we build mm-hmm. them up and we inspire them and we make them feel like they really can handle this situation, you know, that's going to teach responsibility. That's going to teach safety. It's going to be disciplined with that, that firearm. And, and so that is something that, you know, I, I really, <laughs> I love the, I love the way you said that. Um, you know, cause they, I just see it cause I see these kids that are young and they just want, you can tell that their parents are helicopter type parents and they, they just <laughs> want to break free and they want to be independent and they want to just do what they want to do because they want this, this newfound freedom. And so, you know, that's where we, we want them to have that. We want them to know that it's okay for them to be alone as long as, you know, they're safe and they do things appropriately, you know, nothing's ever going to happen. You know, right.
0: So yeah. that's that's our goal Yeah Uh, You mentioned GRPC, getting back from GRPC uh, mm-hmm. Earlier uh, Let's talk about that a little bit Because okay. uh, there may be folks I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, Obviously What is it, a Polite Society Podcast I think probably stream that I think they do every year and, and that sort of stuff But just from boots on the ground Folks that were there, I haven't heard a lot of uh, Reports and stuff coming out of that So any big takeaways Anything that uh, came out of that that uh, you thought, wow, that was neat?
1: So I I think one of the biggest takeaways is I I saw Mark Smith. He spoke on Saturday, and the guy is like a firecracker. And Mm -hmm. and so he had some really good perspectives when it came to where we stand in court, in court cases. And, And so that kind of invigorated me. And you know, just going through what I we went through here in Oregon with Measure One Fourteen, it was it was great to you know have you know his voice and his guidance on you know what we're what what we're going through you know nationally and and kind of where we stand. And so I left left that that really left an impact on me. Um, There's a lot of great speeches. Um, I really I enjoy that event. I don't know if, if people don't know about it, it's a gun rights policy conference. It's put on by the Second Amendment Foundation. It's done every year. They've been doing it for, I believe, 38 years now. And, and so it's a great opportunity to network. You also you learn about, you know, you learn from attorneys, you know, because they're there presenting. Uh, so there's lots of legal talk, which is really, really important with what's, you know, going on around our country right now when it comes to gun legislation. And, and so and, and that way we get to kind of network together as well. And I was able to actually speak on Sunday. So that was an awesome experience as well. And it's just, I, I, whenever I leave there, cause it's like a family event for me, because I've been going since, uh, 2017, I believe. Um, Perfect. it's just, you know, it's been a, it's been a, it's one, I, an event I really look forward to every year. So I'm, I right. can't wait till next year.
0: Yeah. It, uh, it, you know, I would have considered probably going, um, because the last time that I went, it was in Phoenix. And so it was in Phoenix again. Uh, but uh, I had already had another event and that's so, yeah. that's so aggravated. And of course, at the top of the podcast, we talked about the difference in the roles that we have in our, you know, our mm-hmm. lanes. And unfortunately, you know, it's like, while that's enjoyable, uh, GRPC is, and it's, it, you're right. You learn a lot and you see a lot of your mind. Let me back up and say, it. I don't know if you learn a lot, but your mind gets open to varying perspectives. Because mm-hmm. there's certain people that'll get up there and speak, or maybe you're just having a conversation in the hallway mm-hmm. and they see things just a little differently, right? Based on their life mm-hmm. experiences or their education level or mm-hmm. just whatever it might be. Um, and occasionally that'll rub off on you and that'll change your, that'll tweak your perspectives or your understanding just a little bit. Uh, sometimes it makes it better, sometimes it makes it worse. <laughs> it kind of depends on who you're talking to, but, uh, you're right. I think the networking, that's, that's what I'm getting at ultimately, is the networking uh, on that. Did they have the Friday before? Did they have like the mixer thing? Was yeah, there Friday was. Or there, Saturday. I don't remember what night they did that last time.
1: Yeah, there was the Amcon, which was on Friday. And that one's like an alternative media conference where there's podcasters, YouTubers. Uh, John Correa spoke at that one. That was a lot of fun. And, and so it was, it was fun to be a part of that one. I've been a part of that one since it began back in, when we were in Chicago and, and then they, they do an after dinner thing on Friday night, a welcome reception, a reception, and they have another one on, on Saturday night as well. And, and so it's a way to mingle. And, and, you know, I think what I, I guess the biggest, the biggest takeaway for me is I want to, I want to like, better my position. I want to increase my knowledge so I can be better at what I do. And, and so, you know, that's why there's always these big takeaways from events like that, because I learn, like I take notes. I take the, like, I go there, like I'm going to school. Cause I take notes in the, in the crowd. I listen to the speeches. I, I study and, and, and that way it increases my knowledge so I can be better at what I do. And, yeah. and so,
0: you know, that's, that's the, the, the fun part about it. Well, and for you, too, I mean, you wear more hats than just the organization because you actually have been active with the legislature there in trying to draft legislation and other things. So some of what you could pick up, key it on at GRPC, I guess, could be beneficial in those areas, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Has anything, anything been going on on that front for you guys up there? Well, where do you want to go? (laughs) <laughs> well, do you, you want really the good, say. or do you want?
1: Do you want the good, or do you want the bad? <laughs> uh, let's let's go. Has there been anything good? Like let's go with the good. Oh, so the good it is so I got a, my second opportunity to uh, tee up a bill here in the state of Oregon that would authorize oh. our program for all first graders in the public schools. So I, I tried Great. in 2019 originally, and then it died in committee. But I did get a public hearing, which was huge. And then this year I tried again, and it didn't make it out of committee. Uh, but I'm I'm still trying, you know, I'm still actively trying to move the needle in a, in a, in a pro yeah, pro persistence, measure, you know, yeah, persistence. you know, and so I'm learning there. And then we also, you know, we had some bad things with, you know, legislation that went through measure 114, which was something that would require all Oregonians to have a permit to purchase And it also would restrict our magazine capacity. So I've been really, really active with that. And there was, we had a state trial right before I came to GRPC that was in, in Eastern Oregon. And so I was, I was kind of getting updates from my, my people that were, you know, watching the, the case on online while I was on the plane and while I was traveling to Arizona and while I was at GRPC, so it was, it was, it was challenging just to keep up to date with all the information, all the changes and all, you know, everything that was going on in, in the state trial. So mm-hmm.
0: now, as far as the, the difference between, you know, you submitted all of that, you got that done one year you, and it got out of committee, you had the hearing or whatever, and it didn't go nowhere. Was there a shift in the legislature or what, what did you, do you think you attribute that to?
1: Uh, there was a radical shift. And, and so, you know, there was uh, definitely a, we had a long session this year, uh, as opposed to a short session when I tried the first year. Mm -hmm. And so there was, you know, there was an extra three months there. And so it was definitely a challenge, definitely a very more, um, anti-freedom legislature. Mm -hmm. And so that was definitely a challenge. And we have a short session this year. I'm not, I'm still trying to figure out if I want to try again or not, but, you know, definitely very toxic up there, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, sometimes persistence can pay off, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, that's unfortunately that's what's required. That's I talk about it all the time. That's how we've lost so many rights over the, the decades is dribs and drabs, you know, death by a thousand paper cut style thing and, and it's persistence. It's not like, you know, big beat over the head with one big object once, like that's not the way that it works. No. Uh, and so, I think that same approach, just being persistent and, and hammering back, and and I think just to just so that maybe you're not quite so discouraged. Um, yeah, you, know, you talk about the extended sessions, the short short sessions, things like that. So here in Texas, we're on like a biannual, so okay. our legislature only meets every other year, which I think the entire country and the federal government should operate on. Like the less they're in session, the less they can screw up. Is my opinion. Yeah. Yep. Um but uh you know obviously they could call back for emergency things if they had to address something mission critical or something like that, I, I suppose. But um anyway, um one of the things here in Texas, and it's what took us so long to finally whittle away and get the constitutional carry, was that it was a whittling effect. And so it was little bitty things that always got proposed because okay, we're just gonna whittle away at it. The problem was you had sessions that there was very critical. A lot of people are laser single focused on 2A. And that's great. But, you know, I don't have a problem with people that are that way. The three percenters, the shout out being be infringed crowd, whatever. Go for it. That's awesome. Um, The vast majority of people worry about putting food on the table and worry about, you know, the price of gas and worry about being able to heat or cool their home and worry about the the children's (laughs) educations and worry about, right. All of these other things. The two a is a portion of, you know, the makeup. So that, that context, you know, depending on the legislative session here, it's not so much that, Oh no, we don't want to even attempt to entertain that idea. It's like, we have bigger fish to fry. Right. And so sometimes the little or the smaller things can get pushed to the side. And I'm not saying that's the issue there, but I'm just saying that I know that happens here in Texas. So I would assume occasionally that happens elsewhere, too. So, you know, by being persistent, maybe you just catch the right people at the right time, you know. Well, yeah,
1: and it has to make sense. I mean, obviously not what I'm, what I'm proposing isn't radical. It's something that's, you know, it's a single page bill, you know, and it's something that it's really, really easy to implement. It doesn't really cost a lot of money and it will save lives from day one, you know, so it's, it's, it's like how much easier can I make it for them? Yeah. You know, when, when am I going to finally just realize that they have an agenda and it doesn't include mine. And so I'm just yeah. like, okay, I could try again. I mean, it's, it's all about, you know, it helps, helps my networking skills because I get to meet a, a mm-hmm. you know, very diverse group of people and, you know, some I align with, some I do not, which is fine. It's part of the the process, you know, and, and that's just part of doing what I do as an advocate, mm-hmm. right. you know, as is, is I'm not going to affect the change that I, I want to make from the outside of the building. So I have to get inside,
0: you know, and that's, that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you say it's a one page bill. So one page bill now, once it hits the house floor and then once it hits the Senate floor, it'd be interesting to see how big of a bill it was. Cause I'd be willing to bet. It would be like a hundred page bill. <laughs> Oh, I didn't think about that is how they could add fluff to it. Ooh, ouch. I guess
1: I got to, well, maybe I should, maybe I should put a little fine print. This will not be modified.
0: Well, <laughs> so. what I'm thinking is you just need to write a bigger bill. That's what I'm thinking from the start, right? So you're, like, saying, you're saying I make too on, much sense here? <laughs> flip it on their, their head, right? Like they like to, oh, we got to pass it to know what's in it. We'll flip it on their head. Write a 6,000 page bill, Derek. That is so yes. convoluted with legal speak that nobody can possibly read it. And they would probably pass that. Let's be honest. They'd probably look at it and go, man, it's 6,000 pages and we don't hardly understand this at all. We got to pass this. That's
1: brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do say, it. I'll, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll
1: use chat GPT to do all the writing for me. Exactly. That's what
0: have to do. <laughs> Put it in the chat GPT and go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, now, when, when you're writing this, I'm just curious, with the, the stuff you've written before, is it all you, or do you have input and help from other contacts, other people that in your network that maybe you've met at GRPC or something like that? No, I wrote. I wrote. I wrote all it. You. And wow. it's,
1: so, so let's. I'm going to go back to 2019. So, uh, 2019, I was approached by a local politician. He was running. And he wanted something to present as a a viable solution that would help him. Right. So, and so he, he reached out to me. It was, it was September of 2019, actually September of 2018, excuse me, September of 2018. And, and so he said, Hey, would you, would you ever consider writing like a, a a gun safety measure? And I was like, Oh, I could. And, and so I, I started, I started kind of thinking about the, what I would say. And I had an outline and then, you know, I kind of put it away for a little bit. And then there was like one December day where I woke up, it was a Sunday morning. I had the day off from, from classes and I'm like, you know, something was pulling on my heartstrings. Like I had to write this bill and it was, it was, it was the Lord telling me to sit down and write this bill. And, and so I, on that Sunday morning, I went to a coffee shop near my home and I sat there on my iPod, iPad, and I sat there until I got this thing done. It took me probably four hours to get it tweaked to where I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And so on that day, it was in December. I'm like, I had it done. And and so I sent it off to him. And, and that night I had a, a video that I was filming with, you know, Charlie Cook. We we're doing a, a, a gun gram where I was dressed. Oh, up yeah. as a, a bun. I had a bunny suit from, you know. A Christmas story, and we're—I you know, was doing a thing with the kids. Well, anyways, I was as I was getting prepared for that video shoot before the the kids had gotten there. I got a a message on my phone from a from a parent that there was a kid that was killed. You know, literally twenty minutes from my home oh, wow. that day. And so we talk about you know the Lord told me to write this bill, and then that happened, and it was literally twenty minutes from my home. And it's like, why didn't his parents know about what we do? why couldn't I reach that, that kid? And so I had a lot of, a lot of guilt there. Um, but I, I can't control that situation. All I can do is use that situation as fuel to get to that next group of kids to protect those kids. And, and so You know, I sent the bill to my friend. They teed it up, and it was a hit. And and so then we started the maneuvering where I'm meeting and I'm writing car thank you cards to people that supported us. So I was I was I got inside the machine for the first time there. And when it comes to politics and understand how this process works, and it wasn't pretty, but it was I we had an effective campaign, and that's why we got the public hearing that year. And it was all from that that one night. You know, so it was was hard.
0: Wow. Uh Um. yeah that got a little heavy but uh definitely appreciate you you sharing that story man um yeah i, I got speak. one
1: speed man I, it's full send yeah. everything you yeah. know so <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's all or nothing yeah um, so i'll tell you what let, let's shift over to uh something a little fun uh we're gonna do uh what we call if i can find the uh right stuff here what we call on the spot uh and this is brought to us by uh our friends over at anderson manufacturing so hang tight Derek, we'll bring you back in in just a second but first i want to talk about anderson manufacturing uh man i picked up the kiger and 9c pro when did i pick that up saturday was it saturday holy smokes amazing folks amazing rmr cuts uh lightning cuts all over the thing grip texture is phenomenal um uh, and I called my buddy Kyle over at Anderson, and, and uh, I think later that evening on Saturday, and I said, hey, bro, I said, uh, man, I said, I don't know if you've ever heard this on the Kyger or not. Uh, now, this is the pro. I can't speak to the to the base model Kyger necessarily, but at least on the pro. I said, uh, I don't think I've ever in my life, and you guys know I've handled a lot of firearms in my lifetime. time. I don't think I've ever handled a firearm that the magazine comes in. It goes in and comes out as quickly, easily, and as smoothly as on this Kiger. I'm like, whoever tweaked the dimensions on like the magwell around the magazine, and it uses like the PMAG style Glock magazines, not like it's a special magazine design. So it's definitely a little tweak around the magwell area, uh, as far as the engineering or whatever design standpoint. I'm said, so those guys for you, they nailed it for Anderson, like without a doubt uh and he said you know what he's like i never thought about it but he's like now as you said that he's like i don't think we ever had anybody say that he said but now that you're saying it he's like that's true he said uh but it was an epiphany i had right out of the box drop the mag you know, put a mag in drop it and it was like holy crap something's different so anyway i say that to say uh with anderson you've got the Kyger handguns you've got the modern sporting rifles and hopefully the uh, new bolt rifles to drop before the uh uh, end of the year here so we're gonna bring Derek back in for what you call on the spot man so we're just gonna have a little fun i got some questions for you um we'll start out with some firsts here so what was your first firearm so my first firearm was actually a, a daisy
1: red rider at three years old that my dad gave me it's not actually a firearm but that's what started me on
0: my my journey to get all. Here. yeah Yeah, pretty common, pretty common. Um, First that you purchased or that that was like yours, like on your own. You remember that one? Uh, So that was a Lorsen 22 pistol. Whoa, okay, Wow, that's a a piece uh, of junk, but okay, (laughs) It it was, yeah, a total piece of junk. Wow. Yeah. Yeah uh wasn't expecting that i wasn't expecting you to break out the old larson and yeah what uh, quite honestly i think that's probably larson's were probably the first fire for a lot of people simply because of the price point right i think yeah it was like 80 bucks i think it was yeah right right uh first vehicle uh ford ranger oh okay okay now what model uh, it was just an 83 Ford Ranger. It was 80s, just a, a standard model. Okay, the boxy yeah, standard, standard cab. Yeah, kind of a boxy look. The 80s models were pretty mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are, those are cool. Um, all right, moving to some favorites. Uh, what's your favorite cartridge? Wow. And it can be so, now. This can be now. It can be overall. You can caveat any of these. We're just having fun. So my favorite of all time is the 22 long rifle. Yeah. Um, but
1: I, I just got two, six, five Creedmoors and I'm really enjoying shooting those as well.
0: Uh, so I would, okay. I would say those two. Did those come with uh, a beret and some skinny jeans and stuff? Like maybe? Yeah.
1: And a, a soy macchiato a
0: macchiato as well. <laughs> <Soy> macchiato. <laughs> right. right. He's getting all, he's getting all, Derek's getting all hipster with a hipster. Five hipster. Here he yes. is. Um, you know, this is one that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you don't disappoint. I'm hoping you can answer this. Right. I've asked this one several times before, and I get it. Folks are not history above to, to be able to answer it one way or the other. Favorite founding father, and I'll add framer in there because I don't view the founding fathers and framers as necessarily the same category, but um, there are some lesser known that I would consider framers that done some phenomenal stuff, but uh, favorite founding father.
1: Interesting. Wow. That's, that's a, put me on the spot there. I'm thinking either Patrick Henry or Thomas Jefferson.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Jefferson, you know, both, both solid choices. I can't, I can't dispute that. Uh, both very solid choices. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We asked the hard ones here, man. What are you talking about? That was uh, a hard one. <laughs> uh, favorite breakfast cereal. Speaking of a hard one cinnamon toast crunch oh my god now do, do you eat it without milk as well for a snack
1: no it's got to have milk and you just really? kind of let it get a little bit soggy and then you finish the cereal, cereal then you drink the milk it's so sort of amazing. the timing you got to get the timing yep. right That's
0: what you're saying. Yep. well i don't i don't want time the time my cereal man come on it
1: doesn't take it's, it
0: doesn't take long <laughs> I prefer I love Cinnamon Toast Crunch, don't get me wrong. But mm. I prefer cinnamon toast crunch in like a Ziploc baggie as a snack. Oh. There's just something about like yeah, I don't know what it is. Um Favorites uh historical site. Lexington and Car- Concord. Oh, very nice. Very nice. My uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh favorite band or musician? Hmm. He says, oh, it could be current. It could be past. It could be, Hey, I am the so-and-so now. I'm really into the
1: Oliver Anthony. I really uh, enjoy what he's like, his message and what he's trying to do. And, uh, he's got a good backstory and yeah. so I've been, I'm, I'm a supporter of him right
0: now. He came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. The dude, dude literally just come out of nowhere. Uh, but yeah, it's got some pretty good, uh, he's a pretty good songwriter for sure. Yeah um i'll tell you what i'll throw it out there for anybody not gonna link it up or anything like that because it's 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 spicy at uh at the least but uh i don't know if you know is it john reed i think is the comedian's name he, folks can go look it up or google it or whatever but i think it's john reed um but he did a spoof a spoof version of rich men north of Richmond is poor men south of Portland. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's me. That's where I'm at. I'm south of Portland. That's why I'm Uh-oh. saying You need to go listen to that. Oh, my goodness. But And you got to know who the, the John Reed, I think it's John Reed. And, and where I knew John Reed from was the – uh, was the TV show. Yeah, I know, I lost lights. I'm we're still live, but I lost was, lights. Was, was there the
1: emergency uh, alert? Was there an emergency uh, alert from the national Yeah, I know. It's like,
0: what in the world's going on here? Okay, we're going to do this without the without lights. That's all cool. Uh, the camera's still working. I can still see myself a little bit. It's all good. <laughs> okay. But um but anyway, yeah, John Reed. So John Reed, the TV show Rodney with the comedian Rodney Carrington. Oh, okay. Um, uh, anybody out there remembers that? So I'm just saying he was the sheriff's deputy. Uh, in uh, in that it was hilarious in that, by the way. But that's where I always remember him. But anyway, I think it's John Reed, spelled J O N, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. John Reed. Uh, and it's it probably if you Googled "Poor Men South of Portland," <laughs> you'll you'll get it. But oh all that it's 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 great. It's great, great. Uh, but, yeah, I would, well, have to, I would have to sort of agree with that. Yeah. I'm 100 miles south of Portland. <laughs> well, there you go. He was singing about you, man. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that is on uh, the spot. Again, brought to you by our good buddies over at uh, uh, Anderson Manufacturing, who they are going to have to kick up their sponsorship, I guess, so we can pay the lot bill in this place. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Derek. We're up against, uh, up against the uh, top of the hour, so I want to give you a few minutes, talk about uh, things that are coming up, uh, where can people reach out to you if they uh, just want to learn more, if they want to help out, if they want uh, to partake in some courses, uh, whatever it might be, how do they accomplish all those things? Well, you can you know. First of all, you can find us on our website,
1: kidssafefoundation.org. There's two S's there. Um, you can see our calendar. You can get involved there. There's also a way for you to donate there. I think one of the biggest challenges that we face is obviously funding. You know, obviously prices are going up for everybody, and it also affects our ability to outreach to the public. and And so we're always looking for for companies that want to you know come on board and 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 support a good cause. And you can also find us on, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, also YouTube as well. And we have a lot of fun on YouTube. And, and so that's, that's where you can find us. You know, you can send us an email there, which goes directly to me. If you guys have any questions or comments or want to help get involved. Right. And so we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to grow this company, this, this organization outside of Oregon. And it comes it comes with obviously funding we'll have to figure out the funding, but we're also looking for good volunteers that want to get involved and do something really unique and special in their prospective communities, you know? So that's kind of how we're going to, you know, change the 28,000 to 2 million or uh, 10 million kids, you know, going into the future.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us again, man. Awesome conversation as always. Uh, obviously a big fan of, uh, of everything Thank that you do keep up the, uh, the great work and, uh, yeah, I guess just, uh, keep in touch. Right. I will. Thank you. I'll see you, see you probably at shot. Uh, yeah, we'll be there. I don't think there's anything going on before then. So, uh, yeah, definitely. We'll see you at, uh, at shot. So again, thanks Derek. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah with that we're going to uh, call this one done so uh, thanks for hanging out out there tomorrow we should have uh, Amy Dillon in the house so that should be uh, really really fun kind of learning all about uh, you know everything that she's done in the past and everything that she's doing currently uh, big shout out and thanks once again to uh, Monster Tactical and Anderson Manufacturing again if you see them around the uh, socials in the interwebs drop them a little line say hey really appreciate the uh support that you guys uh give over there on the clover podcast we can of uh, support as always shout out to the patreon patrons and the youtube channel members we love you guys too and if you're interested in jumping into either one of those crews there's a link down below wherever you're at to get that accomplished so uh replay live wherever you have listened wherever you have watched. Thanks. And uh, we'll uh, catch you on the next one. Until then, don't forget to chain fire. Freedom, bye. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out Clovertac.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CloverTack Podcast.